When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe, maybe we could turn up the volume a little bit higher so we can not hear ourselves. Kind of mumble through. Well, you know, what can I say? It's a pretty loud intro. It's the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford. Come right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts. And on this weekend's episode that's coming out this week, I'm on with my good friend, Mr. John Orlando from the PVD cast and pvdcast.com. We're talking our usual state of pro wrestling for October, 2023. We share some thoughts on AEW, WWE, and also who are the best international stars you need to get to know about. So go ahead and check it out today, wherever you get your podcast was also as well. Of course, inside sports, fantasy football, Hopefully your fantasy football bets paid off and everything went on there. I know that my teams are pretty much going to go two and one this week. Joe looks like he may even win three and oh, well, maybe two and one, at least maybe three. Never know, but he had a good weekend as well. Go ahead and check out the advice that we give each and every week at Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Plus also as well, speaking of Joe Soros, Oxide T47, go ahead and check him out today at lakersball.com and that big smiling face also owns a company that he's wearing right there right there it's actually on screen on camera for once it's usually like drooping right below camera level but today it's right there out and proud simblades simblades with a y.com also as well of course our good friends empire jeff tv and john mccallion john mccallion is doing a stream right now as we speak on youtube tv go ahead and check out right now on YouTube, wherever you get your uh, podcast, but also as well, of course, subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when John McCallion and Empire Jeff TV go ahead and stop by on the air right there for you on their great channels. And here today to go ahead and talk about all the great things with the Dallas Mavericks, and also hopefully he'll share some thoughts on the Drew Holiday trade is Ralph from We Talk Mavs. Great to have you here, Ralph. Thanks for joining us on today. My name is Gerald Glassford, along with Magic Man Sean Rice, who you've spoken to, and also Joe Sorrow. Joe Sorrow is here as well, and King as well. Truly great to have you guys here. Again, Gerald Glassford, Magic Man Sean Rice, and Joe Sorrow from the Lakers Fast Break. Great to have you guys here talking Mavs. Hopefully you'll have just a few minutes as well to devote to, of course, what we'd want to hear about your thoughts on the Lakers, and of course, the Drew Holiday trade as well. But Rel and King, great to have you here on the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it indeed. Uh, I guess we'll go ahead and start with the news of the day real quick. Uh, Drew Holiday getting traded. He was just recently traded as part of the Damian Lillard trade. He was traded to 
Boston Celtics. What a bummer for us. Uh, yes, he was traded uh, for Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, and a couple of picks, first-round picks at the later part of this decade. So that creates a lot of interest. I know here in Vegas, where I live, the odds have uh, become immediately better for the Boston Celtics to win the championship. Uh, Rel and King, I'll start off with you, Rel. What are your thoughts on Drew Holiday and the move from Portland? Well, actually, it started off with Milwaukee to Portland, now Boston. Uh, gives uh, Drew Holiday a chance, I guess, to compete for a championship. I think it's something he wants. Uh, it would have been more of a rebuild situation if he had stayed in Portland. Um, also, too, it kind of gives Portland a chance to kind of reset, but not too, too far in a reset, if it makes sense. Because they, they, now they actually have a chance to kind of compete a little bit as far as maybe trying to get into the playoffs. At the same time, still having flexibility to build around the, the, some of the pieces that the young pieces that they have and uh, Scoot Henderson and uh, maybe an Anthony Simons or somebody like that. But as far as Drew, um, it's going to be interesting to see how this turns out for, for Boston because I think they're starting to completely change their identity. I think last year and maybe, you know, prior years. They're more of a defensive staple. Now it's kind of like they kind of switching into the offense, right? And now we're giving up a lot of their key defensive pieces. Their main defensive piece now is going to be Drew Holiday, which is going to probably put a lot more pressure on him to be the guy to kind of help usher in the defense instead of it being a Marcus Smart or Grant Williams or, you know, any of those other guys that they had on the team. So um, on paper, it looks good, but it's one of those cases for me. I just have to wait and see it. King, what are your thoughts on the Drew Holiday trade? I echo the sentiments of my uh, partner, basically, about Boston changing their identity. Um, I'm worried about their defense now, uh, other than Drew Holiday. Uh, Drew's pretty older now. Um, I think I, I think we all would agree he's probably on the decline of his career, even though he's a pretty good player. And um, the real elephant in the room is Christos Porzingis. Uh, we're Dallas Maverick fans, so we know that he can't always be relied upon in a situation. So uh, they really... Uh, I guess see high hopes in Christos Porzingis. Um, I don't really see the same, but we'll see. On paper, they're a good team, but we'll see. Sean, back to you, my friend. Your thoughts on Drew Holiday headed to Boston? Uh, I gotta echo uh, the two great gentlemen who joined us. So uh, yeah, I think it's a flip of the script for Boston uh, from defense to offense, and it's gonna be like if they end up facing off against each other, which they probably will, it's going to be really weird seeing Drew Holiday wearing a different colored uniform and like King was saying, he's the only cat on that floor that could really defend on the perimeter for either team. Bringing Joe Soro in here from Ox1947, LakersBall.com plus also as well, of course, you know his company, Simblades, SimblatesWithAY.com. Joe, your thoughts on the Drew Holiday trade? Does it balance? Does it change and shift? It went from Boston the favorite, now then went to Milwaukee the favorite in the East. Does it shift back towards Boston? Yes, because what Boston traded was essentially Marcus Smart for Porzingis, which now allows them a front court player that can actually produce, produce consistently, com- comparing it to this last year what he did before then obviously is going to play a part now but if you're going by what he did with washington and if he produces at that level and plays as many games as he did 
uh, last year, then they're they're likely going to be in pretty good shape. And they get a little bit of a downgrade on defense, but they did make up a lot of it by bringing Drew Holiday in. Because now Drew Holiday doesn't have to worry about offense as much, too. That's something you have to put into that setup. <laughs> uh, Tatum is going to – Tatum and Jalen Brown now, I believe, have a much better balanced uh, title team, title contender versus what they had before. Before it was if they weren't going off, then they were toast, which is exactly what happened the last couple of years. As soon as they started missing, it was over. They Marcus Smart couldn't get a shot up. It didn't matter how good his defense was. Again, guys, this is the NBA in 2023 and beyond. Uh, the last few years, as good as your defense is, you still have to make shots. If you don't make shots, you will not win anything. Chris Stapps can make shots closer to the rim. You've got the perimeter guys that can make shots outside. And then you have one, at least one other player that can actually play some defense. Boston, if they stay healthy, I don't see how they don't make it out of the East now that they have Drew Holiday. But I got to see what Dame does in Milwaukee. If Dame plays like Dame can, you're going to have to deal with him shooting from anywhere on that court. And this time he's going to have horses behind him, and he didn't have any before, other than maybe LaMarcus Aldrich about four or five years ago. So I I would say my feelings on the East, you guys knew what I was saying during the summer about the East. Wasn't very impressed. I think I gave them a little too much credit last year. They let me down, uh, and I wasn't going to get fooled again. However, I have I have been impressed by what Milwaukee and Boston have done this last few weeks, as well as what Boston did by acquiring Chris Stapps, Porzingis. But at the end of the day, guys, they're all in the same position the Lakers are in. You have to stay healthy. I agree. That's the key. I mean, then you've also got to consider 500-year-old Al Horford. You know, you always have to worry about him. But you're right, the injuries. The injury status with both uh, Drew Holiday, Christophs Porzingis, Al Horford, you know, these guys are, I don't know, just basically uh, going to have to go ahead and piece it together because, as you said, Joe, they don't have much depth behind them. You're talking about six guys, and that's it. Mm-hmm. After that, there's a steep drop-off. So we're going to see an interesting dichotomy between the teams that prioritize depth and the teams that prioritize having super teams with their super starting lineup. So here's we'll what's changed, though, guys. Here's what's changed. Something that hasn't happened in the NBA regularly, and it's happened in spots, usually during a strike, uh, lockout season. We had a seventh seed make it to the Western Conference Final in a very tough Western Conference Final. And then you had an eight, a play-in eight seed, three games away from winning a championship. Are we getting – are we now shifting finally to where – it's, a, it's like baseball in the NBA. doesn't matter if you're a one, a four, or a seven. Are we now going to have that, if they hit the moment at the right moment, are they going to go all the way? That is something I'm going to be paying attention to in the next year or two. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Ah, 
So you would watch The Tomorrow War before The Matrix? Yes. If you forced me down, I was tied into a chair and I had to watch one thing, I would say The Matrix Resurrections. Really? Funny. Yeah, because of all the cutscenes, I could remember what a good movie was like. (laughs) (laughs) Well played, sir. Well played. Yes. That's the only reason for the flashbacks, to remind you what a good Matrix movie was. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. It is, of course, the Lakers Fast Break. We truly thank you for joining us here tonight, watching and listening. Love all the individuals that are now in the chat right now. Truly cannot thank you enough for being part of the best Lakers chat room that's out there at the Lakers Fast Break, including Madam Rell herself. Good evening, Madam Rell. Great to have you here. <laughs> Big smile from Rell. Is that your that wife, Rell? Yes, my wife. Oh, okay, good. good All good. right. Well, great to have her here. We're honored uh, that she came to watch today. It is the Lakers fast break. Truly appreciate the time that you were taking to go ahead and checking us out here. But it is the Dallas My wife Mavericks. doesn't even know I do I, 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 a podcast. <laughs> and, he, and he's been doing this for two I'm years. Kidding, I'm kidding. But... Getting to the Dallas Mavericks, uh, you know, after what happened at the end of last season, you know, where so much was said and done in regards to the way that they ended their season, the Dallas Mavericks with the, let's just say it, that they tanked. They tanked so that they didn't have to be in the plan so they could secure the first round draft pick that they got ultimately. And just, you know, with the trade that they did, they ultimately got what we think is going to be a really good player, Derek Lively Jr., we eyed him for the Lakers and definitely are envious of what you guys ended up getting. Plus also, you guys also got another great rookie that might end up starting if you listen to Jason Kidd on that roster. So I'll start off with that first. When you hear Jason Kidd in his comments leading up to training camp and you see the fact that you've got some great rookies that may be in the starting lineup with Luca and Kyrie Irving along with, I'm assuming, Grant Williams, what are your thoughts on having that kind of lineup with two young kids in the midst of a team that is looking to rebound and get back into the playoff mix? I'll start with you, King. I'm excited. I think that a lot Does of Does it make you nervous at all a little bit? Not at all. Not in the slightest. Um, I think especially in the Maverick uh, fandom and folks that watch the Mavs, you know we probably have uh, one of the worst front courts in the NBA. Uh, probably one of the worst front courts of all time, I feel like, in my opinion. Um, So getting somebody that can produce at a Dwight Powell level, I should say, uh, which is, I think, about five points and four rebounds a game as a starting center, um, I don't think that would be too hard. So having a a rookie like Lively that was on the bench giving you, what, five, five, and one and a half, I think, in college, uh, I I see him coming over to the league, uh, excelling with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. And I think his rebounding and rim protection will be awesome. Uh, we have another guy, a young guy in Josh Green, that is going into a contract year. And uh, his big thing is confidence, I feel like, for us. Uh, it's a make-or-break season for him. So I feel like the Omax thing, Omax is ready. Omax, uh, Prosper, I feel like he's a he's a defensive machine. He has a 7-1 yeah. wingspan. Uh, he, he looked pretty well on Chet in uh, the summer league. Uh, just a whole bunch of things with him. Uh, he's ready to be a 3 and D straight guy. He gives you energy. He grabs rebounds. He can defend probably one through five, it looks like. Uh, he's going to get to the rim, get fouled. It's about Josh Green taking the next step. If he can't take the next step, I see probably the Mavericks looking for a trade option for him If uh, and probably starting no max. It's probably a, to light a fire underneath him, I should say. Uh, and if he doesn't, I mean, if he does, then 
Oh, shout out to Josh Green because a lot of fans we actually do uh, what like Josh Green or think Josh Green is incredible and think he'll have a future in the league, more like a Andre Iguodala, so because he can do a little bit of everything. But um, it's up to him. But between Omax and uh, Dwight Powell, like they have to be maybe already a top five, six. I mean, not Dwight Powell, Omax and um, what's his name, Lively. They have Jared to be already Lively. probably yes. a, a, a top five, top six players on the team already. That's just with the team that we had. We were very top heavy and had a bunch of guys who do a bunch of roles. But it seems like with like Grant Williams and the rookies, we'll have more players that can do more things with the ball in their hand and not just look at Luke and Kyrie. So I'm very excited for two rookies to possibly start. Magic Man, do you have a question for Rel and King or for Rel? Because uh, we got we got King first on that. Great answer from from King. Magic Man, do you have any thoughts for Rel? When the Mavs acquired Kyrie, I originally thought, you know, the one guy in that relationship who's got to defer is Kyrie. Because this is Lucas' team. We've seen what he can do in isolation. And now you added another top 10 guy who's an isolation scorer. So originally I thought it would work out that way. But when you look at the stats, right, the advanced stuff, it's actually Luca who deferred to Kyrie and the team suffered for it. Because before the trade, they were 20 and 14 in clutch games. And after they acquired them, they just they just sunk, man. So right. do you do you think that in, in this instance with with all the data they got and all the film they got that those two guys can honestly get in a room together and Luca's like, yo, I'll be Mr. Clutch at the end. But if I got to kick it out, you got to be there because there's nobody scarier off the ball rail than Kyrie Irving right now. He's just, he's the most dangerous shooter uh, if you don't have a pair of eyes on him. So do you think that Kyrie will now defer to Luca in the clutch? Uh, well, the thing, the thing about them working together, we kind of brought this up before on our show when a lot of people were kind of wondering if these two can work together. It's the fact that Luca has been playing a certain way pretty much his whole career here in Dallas, right? We didn't have a Kyrie on this team, a guy who can take pressure off of Luca, who can do some of the things that Luca can do. So it was always Luca heavy as far as the offense, people depending on Luca. We had a lot of players on this team who can't, like King said before, can't create their own shots, guys who only can stand on the perimeter and just wait for Luca to set them up, right? So this process of him and Kyrie together was going to take some time because Luca's been playing a certain way. As I take that back, four and a half years till now because that was the sixth year. No, it's the seventh year. Yep. Six years. Six. Six years. Yep. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. So about so about four and a half years. You know, he's been playing this certain way because he played off the ball more the first half of his rookie year before we right. traded Dennis Smith and all those guys out. So he's been playing like this for a while. So for for people kind of expect him to come in here and just click like that, you know. It's going to take them a little time. And so that's why we kind of weren't, weren't too worried about the trade. We were like, yo, just get these guys a training camp and all that stuff, and they'll work it out. We're hearing some good things out of those two. Uh, they're going to try to uh, make it more of an actual offense instead of it just being Luca, just go out there and just set everybody up, right? So uh, as far as, like you saying, if, I, I don't think it has to necessarily be like, yo, you're going to be the clutch guy. I think it's going to be like a feel. It's going to be like a flow. Who one of these guys are hot at the time, you know? Like we did it kind of last year, just a couple times it, it didn't, a few times it didn't, it didn't, you know, work out for other reasons. But I think it's going to be more of a flow. Like if Luca's on that night, Luca, can you close it out for us? Hey, if Kyrie's on that night, Kyrie, can you close it out for us? Right? Because Kyrie was the leading scorer in the league in the fourth quarter. 
So you don't want to take that weapon away from them. You want to you kind of use that and utilize that a little bit, but you want it to be more of a balance to where both of those guys can be utilized, make both of them a weapon to where you don't know which one of those guys are going to attack in the uh, at the end of the game. So that's uh, kind of my thing with the whole Kyrie thing. I, I think it'll work out, man. Like I said, training camp, both are now healthy. They both talked about that. So just, just being able to kind of implement that, get more players around them that can actually move without the ball, guys who can get their own buckets and all that stuff, that will help take a lot of pressure off of Luka. Can I throw a, a point on that as well? Absolutely. Um, that was a great point by Ro. He said everything. Yeah. I want to throw a little extra on there. Um, it's a lot of what you hear or see is, is fool's gold. Um, the Kyrie and Luka only played 16 games together last year. Uh, I think when, what was it, Dwayne Wade and LeBron got together, within their first 17 games, they were what, uh, eight, eight, nine, nine, eight, or something eight, like nine, that. Eight, you nine, yeah. like, and everybody is saying like they can't play together. Kyrie yeah. and I think yeah. when uh, Kyrie and Luka, when they actually played in pick and rolls together, I think when Luka was the main ball handler, they averaged almost two points of possession, which was ridiculous, like beyond elite. And then when Kyrie was the main ball handler, they averaged like one and a half. So they didn't use it enough. They only ran it together maybe – what, 20-something times throughout the whole time we were together. So it's about a little bit of coaching, everybody getting a, you know, a fresh foot, being able to be in a training camp, get the right chemistry together. And that whole record before we had Kyrie, that was fool's gold as well. Like, even the game with Luka got 60-21-10. and 10, We should have lost that game. It took Luka going heroic into, into the fourth quarter, into overtime. Uh, games before against Houston, Luka had to get 50 points for us to beat him. You yeah. feel me? Like, we lost a bunch of games. We were 0-7 before, without Luka uh, before Kyrie got there, and that was giving up games to OKC and all. And we, we missed the play-in by, what, three games or so, I think. So we gave a bunch of games away just doing a bunch of foolishness. And I hope – it's just – it's not even just Kyrie and Luka. It's the coaching staff and all that. Everybody was held accountable or was responsible a little bit last year. We got Luka in a better shape. We got Kyrie. And hopefully the coaching staff know what they're doing. We got new coaches and all. So I think it should be a little bit better. Joe, any questions for Rellin King on the maps, my friend? So, uh, being the cynical, jaded person that I am, really, uh, the Kyrie had a, had a comment that a few days ago about how he wished he had been drafted by Dallas, and how great things are with Luca. Uh, do you buy into that uh, ex- extra stuff? Because usually. When people get extra like that, usually all it takes right. is one bad game, and all of a sudden, there's a locker room issue. <laughs> um, and if it wasn't Kyrie saying it, or someone who's had history of things like Kyrie, I probably right. would have been like, "Yeah, yeah good, good way to start the training camp." But again, it is Kyrie, and I'm curious to know if if that's if, if you feel like that's authentic. To be to be honest with you, for me, I can't answer for anybody else. I. I really don't care. You know, it, it's, that's, it's no a good, that's the answer I wanted. Uh, yeah. Like as long, as long as you go out there and you produce, man, you. that's all that, that, that's that, the that answer matters I to me. I, I know that might feel comforting for, for some math fans and stuff like yeah. that. They kind of like feed off of that type of stuff. But for me, man, it really don't matter, man. Look, as long as Kyrie going out there, giving me what he was giving me when he played for us you know, last year, the, the second half of the season, I'm, I'm cool, man. As long as he don't become a distress, because we've heard him say stuff like this before, then turn around and do something else. Right. Like mm-hmm. we did with Boston. Like y'all, mm-hmm. y'all would have me. I'll stay, you know, that, that stuff, you know, so. You said it was going to be a Boston Celtics uh, forever. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying, so. You say it'd be a Cavalier forever. Yeah, say yeah. it'd be a yeah, All that, man, so, no. Nah, yeah, that, that stuff don't don't move me, man. I don't really he, care about that stuff. He's going to retire a Mav. I, I'm hoping. 
Yeah, I hope. I'm, hope, I'm hoping he retires in there. Just decides, you know what? I think it, I actually will stay here. There you go. It's just nice, nice propaganda for himself. Uh, yeah, he's just he, saying saying what he would say. I don't take it any any serious or not serious. I think he's happy. I think Kyrie, I always say on the show, I think Kyrie was trying to find someone at this point that would accept him and, you know, uh, someplace he can chill and just be free and take his family and just and just grow. Like he's at that point in his career, I think now, where he's heard enough stuff and he's been through enough to the point where he know he wants he knows he wants to be a top 100 player when that list comes out. He knows he wants somewhere where his jersey can be retired. He kind of wants a recognition now because they're kind of like underrating Kyrie at a point because of the issues that's happened. And I'm not saying if it's right or wrong or what it is, but I'm saying he. I think at this point he wants to go and prove that he can be a leader. And Kyrie knows on his team he doesn't have to be, be the best player, but I think he knows that the team appreciates him as the leader that he is and the recognition other players and all give to him and other coaches gives to Kyrie. So I think this would be a match made in heaven. I know – you know, if you go off of any other pattern, it's insanity for me to say that. But right. based off of what Kyrie has said, based off of the way the team has embraced him, based off the way he took the contract and took a less of a contract, I know folks are trying to say, wow, he, he had no other option. Yeah, he did. I know that the Lakers wanted him. Uh, but I think Kyrie would be fine, though. Yeah. I hope so for you guys because, as you know, he could be such a distraction. <laughs> he can. wants to be can. you know and he's an intelligent guy he's someone who knows how to play the game and knows how to create and st- things and stir things up if he wants to go ahead and do so but if he wants to go ahead and be just out on the floor a terrific player we know he can do that as well and he's still not you know was he 30 is he 31 31 yeah he's still at a good age his his game should age well and Again, somebody that can always get you or close to 50, 40, 90 uh, is someone that's got to be very dangerous and always thought of. And if it's, if he keeps, you know, just doing what he does, he likes to play with Luca and he enjoys his time with Luca. You guys got a great backcourt for years to come. Magic man. Uh, any thoughts for Relin King, my friend? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Hardy, uh, the mystery man Hardy. of the, of the Mavs. Uh, I like a lot what I see, guys, but, like, really inconsistent, right? Like, some nights he looks like he could be a top 20 player in the NBA, and then the next night I I see Jason Kidd is just riding him on the pine. Uh, what do you guys think he needs? Like, is it coaching? Is it motivation with, with Jalen? Uh, is it just, like, trying to put it all together at this point? Because... Uh, I was, I didn't like what I saw in summer league either. I think it's uh, just time opportunity in the correct role. Yep, that's basically what it is. Last year when he got time, he was about a point a minute every yeah. game. Like when he was out there for twenty minutes or so, he looked good. I think at the end of the year, his numbers were split was about uh, forty six from the field, forty from three, and about eighty something from uh, the free throw line. So uh, yeah. it's just opportunity. At the beginning of the year, we kept playing with him, sending him up and down. He didn't know what he was going to be, and actually. Uh, over here, we were, I guess, most mad, mad them, uh, wanted him to probably get more of an opportunity than a guy like a Tim Hardaway Jr. or even a Reggie Bullock because of what was happening last year. We just knew the potential and the upside that Jaden Hardy has. Uh, as far as the summer league, I think they're trying to – they were trying to present him in a different way than what he normally is. They wanted to be more of a ball handler and help out the point guard position in the summer league. So it, it looked kind of – I don't know if he'll ever be that – point guard you know type of player even though he's the undersized too 
I think he's a straight shooter, a guy that's probably a six-man-of-the-year type candidate type dude, a Lou Will, that type of guy. So I think in, in this moment, the Mavs are trying to figure out what they're going to do with Tim Hardaway Jr. because Tim Hardaway Jr. takes up a big lot with $18 million a year shooting threes. And then you have a Jaden Hardy off the bench. So do you see Jaden Hardy being somebody where he's a major factor or should you use him as an asset or do you ride with Tim Hardaway Jr.? I think that's basically what it is. But Jaden Hardy, I, I have no problem. I think he's going to be an excellent player, a bucket getter, whatever you want him to be. He's just probably not a point guard. Yeah, I agree. I agree with King. Kind of to piggyback on what he was, some other stuff he was saying. The fact that um, him being young, this is his second year, you don't want to put too much on him. I mean, you really don't have no reason to do that right now because of some of the additions that we have. I think we brought this up on the show too. Uh, I know a lot of people don't feel like he is a, a point guard, which is fine. You know, he doesn't have to necessarily be a point guard, but I kind of feel like he's still with the, some of the additions that we have with some of the guys who can pass the ball on our team now. Uh, in prior years, you you yeah you're gonna probably need him to be like that third ball handler to help facilitate the offense. But I think with some of the, the pieces that we got now, you don't have to do that. So you could take your time and, and kind of ease him into that role. But until then, as far as him being somebody who can contribute to the team, like King said, he's gonna need minutes. That's that's any player, right? Uh, it showed that when he had the minutes, it was positive. Once you start cutting his minutes down, when the inconsistency started happening, right? So, you know, once you, if you, I feel like if you put him in the rotation, give him about, say, 20 minutes, maybe 18, 20 minutes a game consistently, know, let him know that that's going to be his role consistently every game, I think he should be fine. But as far as him being like a third ball handler or being a point guard, I don't think that's his game. Not, not to say he can't do that, because I, I, I told King, I use an example, like, you know, Blake Griffin, when he went to Detroit, look what he did. He completely changed his game up. He was all about highlights and dunks, and now all of a sudden he turned that to a a, a, a a ball handling four, you know. Yeah. So I feel like you know, it, just give the kid some time uh, with these additions. It, it should help him as far as him being able to slowly uh, kind of develop into a ball handler. But uh, yeah, just get it, just get the kid some time and give some playing time. Joe, any more questions that you got lined up for Relling King? They've been awesome so far. What are your thoughts, my friend Joe, as you head back in here? Well. <sighs> Being the NBAs, and you guys, my panel, my brothers basically have uh, heard me say this a few times. So, really, I'll say it to you guys as well. With the amount of pansy, you know, pansies in this league in terms of uh, participation, uh, Doncic has averaged 66 games per year. Uh, Kyrie played a pretty good amount compared to previous years in 60, 40 in Brooklyn, and 20 in, uh, in Dallas. What do the Mavericks do in those 20-plus games when those guys don't play? Should they continue that playing consistency? Rella, we'll start with you first. That I don't know. A lot of this stuff now is going to have to be a wait-and-see type of thing, so I'm not 100% sure because we kind of brought the fact that last year when Luka didn't play games, it wasn't good. We lost at literally every game he didn't play in. Right. A uh, year before that, I believe, can you probably correct me, I think we were 7-9. and nine when he didn't play or something like that. I know we were under 500. So in the last two years that those numbers aren't good. So we're banking on the fact that with more help, more guys who are capable, like I said, you know, guys who can kind of go out there and get their own, you're not heavily dependent on those guys. That's going to take a little bit more pressure off of Luca to where he's going to have to carry everything. Cause you know, if you carry a lot and you start getting uh, hurt, you start getting uh, banged up, start getting injured. And so we've been seeing that over the last maybe four or five years with Lucas, where not only is he playing year-round basketball, because ever since he got into the league, he's been playing overseas. Then you're coming into the league and you're carrying the franchise. 
with nobody helping you carry. So that's going to wear you out. It's going to going to lead to injuries. So with them, we're hoping a lot of this is banking on the fact that Jason Kidd has turned a corner from the third year. <laughs> we hope we, we hope we get first year Jason Kidd, man, to where he's he, he kind of manages things a little bit different, right? As far as uh, the personnel and stuff like that, because now you do have a guy like a like you brought up Jaden Hardy, a guy like that who can go out there and fill up buckets, who can carry the offense. We saw him and Josh Green carry the offense, carry the team when Luke and Kyrie were out and both Utah. of them yeah, in, in Utah. So you have a lot of those players now, man, that who can do a little bit more. Like can, I'm not saying like if Luca missed like like you said 20 games, we got it. Like I'm not saying that, but if Luca misses a game here, a game there, you got guys who can carry the offense now or carry the team until they get back, you know. So uh it's going for me uh it's it's a wait and see thing man uh we got a completely different team except for probably like three or four people so we got our first game on thursday so i'm just gonna wait and see before i kind of get my answer on that but hopefully i'm praying man that because of some of the pieces that we got right now it'll be a better outcome than it was last two years and by the way the steel trap memory you got real they were eight and nine eight and eight nine okay eight nine man so That's we talk maps right there. Steel trap memory. Uh, Jared Dudley is an assistant coach on the team, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. just wanted to make sure that was clarified because High Octane was asking in the chat. One thing I want to ask you guys, though, obviously, is the defensive side of the ball. That's something that should be of great concern for you guys because that was a big issue for the team last year. If you go to NBA.com in defensive rating, they finished 25th out of 30 teams last year in the NBA. That's not going to get it done and you guys you know obviously that's been a source of angst for your fans and and the fans of the dallas mavericks out there getting in prosper getting in lively and getting in williams is supposed to help turn that around where do you guys see the defense this year where do you see it projected to and and what part of the defense do you think can really help propel you guys into competing for a playoff spot this year king i'll start with you you can call me a, just a Mavs fan, but um, I'm hoping, I'm projecting we're going to have a top 10 defense again this year. And you might be like, wow, that's that's ridiculous. I already know the offense will be set. We have Luke and Kyrie. Like every year of Luka's career, he's been a top 10 offense. Like I'm not worried about that. But last year I felt like we relied on two guys defensively. We were 25th or 26th in defense even before the trade. Like a lot of folks have you thinking we got rid of Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dembry and we just <laughs> fell off a cliff. Like I said, we were at the same spot basically before the trade in offense and the same spot in defense, the same thing. Uh, Luca just ran out of gas a little bit. He got hurt, banged up, and stuff just started falling off a cliff. But we we added, like I said, we had Reggie and Dodo last year, which were main guys. Maxie was hurt a lot of the year. He's not, He hasn't been the same for the past few years. I feel like he's been played out of place and just played a bunch into injuries. But having Maxie still in a different place, adding on a Grant Williams, adding on, well, the emergence still of Josh Green, adding on a Omax Prosper, adding on a Dark Jones Jr., adding on a Dante Axum, adding on a Lively. Like, that's a lot of defensive pieces. Even Rashawn Holmes can play a little defense for you. So I feel like there are going to be a lot of guys that can play defense for this team, a lot of guys that can cover holes for Luke and Kyrie, even though Kyrie is a – underrated defender he usually gets beat off of just size but I, I think with those guys behind them their jobs their jobs will be easier and we'd actually have a pretty good defense I'm not like I say I got to see how the rookies play out and how they adjust to the NBA game they've looked awesome so far they look like they're way ahead of schedule and if that stays the way it is 
And like I said, it can just be serviceable at those positions and help us out shooting decent, you know, at the three-point line and things like that. I don't see why we can't have a top 10 defense. Something else, too, uh, with the the whole defense thing. Our main issue last year is, uh, I think Tim Hardaway kind of alluded to this on media day. A lot of times we didn't in possessions. In possessions, yeah. You just couldn't get rebounds. Like like he said, our starting center gave you five and four. So, you know, a starting center giving you four, I mean, I don't think anybody would be happy with that, right? So, when your two point guards are leading a team in rebounding, that's you're not you're not closing possessions out. Yeah. So you know that that was our main thing. We're hoping that now with a lot of the, the, the athleticism, the youth that we have, the length that we have, we now have a center in lively. Um, we're hoping that that can kind of end some of those possessions, man. Somebody also too with lively having somebody who can, you know, you're gonna start second guessing yourself when you go into the basket, you know, because he's young, he's athletic, can jump out the gym, all that, right? He has a defensive mind frame. Like, he's defense first before anything else. So, you get somebody like that, man. Plus, like I said, with Luca, you already know what Luca's going to give you. going to give you eight, nine, ten rebounds. So, we already know that's going to happen. But you add other guys on that team, too, that can sprinkle in a six or seven and eight rebounds here and there. Mm-hmm. Then you can start ending more possession. That helps with your defense, too. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. So I ask you this, guys, and once again, we're on with Relling King. Please go ahead and check out the great work that they do with We Talk Mavs. They do a sensational job on that channel. I had a chance to check it out over the weekend, and I really liked what I saw. Please go ahead and subscribe today. Follow them on social media. Whatever you can do to support them, they do a sensational job. So please go ahead and do what you can to go ahead and help them out. One of the things, though, I ask for you guys is – your thoughts on Jason Kidd? You know he was with us uh, as an assistant coach. Uh, you know, obviously going and and achieving the great level of championship status with with inside the bubble. Then he heads over to you guys, and it's been an up and down ride since then, to say the least. And you know his back history as well, as far as his coaching history past as well. Oh yeah, uh, from the Western Conference Finals to what happened last year. With the defense that you guys obviously fortified for the course of the season and what you have with Luca and Kyrie, you guys are obviously expecting a great season ahead. How much do you think that as far as a good coach that Jason Kidd is, how much do you think he can get this job done? Do you think he can bring them back to the mountaintop again? Or do you think that, eh, you know, like like we do sometimes, like we did initially early on with Ham here in Los Angeles. Right. Where do you think about the, the status of Jason Kidd going forward? Because I know depending on who you talk to in Dallas circles, you love him or you hate him. Simple that. Uh, I'll, I'll let you do that first, King. You want me to take that one? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Here we go. I, I, always say, <laughs> I always say I'm indifferent uh, with Jason Kidd. Uh, first, year, first year, I loved him. Um, I thought he had learned, learned from his ways with you guys under Vogel. Uh, had, had changed, I guess, a uh, new leaf in his life. Um, but this past year, I felt like it was a little bit of stubbornness, but they've also given him, I guess, a cop out by saying that maybe they didn't have the the Jason K type of players on his team. So the the player's philosophy, because a lot of his defensive work looks gimmicky 
at times, even back in Milwaukee, Brooklyn, the same thing with Dallas the first year. We played a lot of the, uh, a gimmick defense to get to the Western Conference Finals, but we didn't have the personnel, so it worked for us. Uh, last year, we felt like he didn't play guys that he should have. Uh, shout out to you guys getting Christian Wood. I think he's going to be awesome for you. Um, but, like, it, I don't know what was going on with Jason Kidd, but I, I hope and I pray that uh, having this year and this embarrassment on his record with the team, Luka Doncic and that kind of stuff, will, you know, cause him to want to be more like the first-year Jason Kidd. Because if we can get the first-year Jason Kidd or something like that, like I said, I think our offense will be enough. And and the possessions and having things on defense will be fine. So his, I think either way, he should be on the hot seat this year. But depending on who you're talking to, who knows? Absolutely. Rel? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's okay. I mean, again, he is – I mean, you got to remember, this goes back to when he was brought on as uh, what – the, the understudy who was supposed to eventually replace yeah. Vogel. Yep, you that, know, yep. and just coming into that situation, oh, we're going to hire you, Frank Vogel. Oh, by the way, we have your replacement there, and he's going to be your lead assistant. How about that? There you yeah. go. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the opposite end of King. I know King's in the middle. I'm like, I'm on the other end of the fence. Uh, I did not want Jason Kidd here when we first got him. Um, I was one of the people that, like you brought up, you know, the fact that his his track records, right? Like we saw what happened in his last two stops. Not y'all stopped, but he was an assistant. So that, uh, we didn't count that one. But Milwaukee that, and New Jersey. Yeah, New, Milwaukee and New Jersey. We saw what happened with that. And it was nothing in his past as far as his coaching that made me, that screams to me, we got to get him in here, right? I know a lot of people were kind of enamored with him here because he used to be one, he used to be one of us. He won championship with, we drafted him, Hall of Famer with us, blah, blah, blah. But for me, man, I, I saw something beyond it. I, I wanted Mosley, Jamal Mosley, the coach of uh, Orlando. Uh, we didn't even uh, we didn't interview him. We didn't give him a chance. We didn't talk to him. We didn't do anything. It was like as soon as Rick Carlisle was gone, we started hearing whispers of Jason Key was going to step in. That was like immediately, right? So you know, first year, like I said, I was I was I was going to give it a chance. Of course, he's my you know it's my team, so I'm going to give it a chance. First year, he did his thing. You know, I was like, okay, cool. Second year, everything that I was afraid of came to fruition. <laughs> second year, and that's the part that got me. Uh, I remember on the show, I said, "What was it? Two weeks into the season, I was, I was kind of like, there's some things that went right." Um, I'm hoping this year. I'm hoping this year. I mean, we can't afford to have another season like that again, man. Because you know, we're already hearing whispers. I mean, I don't, I don't know how true it is. I already believe it, but. You're going to start hearing more whispers or maybe Luke and one to ask out, you know, all that type of stuff. Right. So that stuff does kind of sit in the back of your mind sometimes, but you know, we can't afford to have another season like that. Cause that will be on Lucas record. Right. Um, I'm hoping that Jason Kidd, like Kidd Kings just said, I'm hoping that he goes back, reverse back to the first year, Jason Kidd. I'm hoping that last year humbled him a little bit. Mm-hmm. There are some things that he did here in the last couple of days that kind of make you think that he didn't. As far as communicating, but that's another subject for another day, I guess. Um, well, I guess I could say here, I, 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 Jason Kidd is, is a bad communicator. He just he does not, he doesn't hold himself accountable for anything. That's the one of the things I did not like about him. <laughs> Accountability is like a cuss word to him. I was saying, uh, <laughs> it's always somebody else's fault, but he is like he's he even made like certain uh you know comments like hey, I'm I'm watching just like y'all or hey nobody died or. You know, it's just kind of crazy stuff he would say, man. And that's the kind of stuff that kind of rubbed a lot of the fans and stuff the wrong way. And the fact that the way the season ended last year, it didn't add on. It, it didn't help any, you know. So 
I know a lot of people are kind of like just wait and see right now. I mean, you do have some people say like still want to get a you know fire him or whatever. That's understandable, but but there's a lot of other people, man. A lot of other fans. It's like yo, let's just let's just see. I think everybody's kind of excited because of what the pieces that we have. Because yeah. that's a kid is having excuse this year. You got a lot of players that you wanted in here, so you got the players you wanted. You got players who could fit into your defensive scheme. You got a center now. So we're gonna have to see exactly what Jason Kidd we get. So that's gonna be the question of the, of the year. Absolutely, great so, thoughts indeed. Yep. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, Rel. If so, would you say that that seat of his is kind of like lukewarm, and it could get hotter? So we've had different uh, beat writers and uh, insiders on our show. We've asked that question, and none of them have said they've heard anything. Okay. So. Let's say let's say they get off to the Lakers start last year, right. two and ten to start off. You know how bad we started. Let's say something like that happens. Um, I'm trying to remember because wait, so King did, did Avery Johnson get fired in the middle of the season? Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. He did. Okay, he did. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember he did. because he uh, did. Yeah, yeah, before David Blatt, it was Avery Johnson. Yeah, Avery Johnson. Yeah. Okay. Because I I was trying to remember like. Like Mark Cuban's track record, like is he known for fire? I mean, he did get rid of Nelly too. In the middle of the season. Yes, he did. So, I, I'm, I don't know, man. I, I don't want to think that because I don't, I don't want this season to end. Like, I don't want the season to be like. But ultimately, you. But ultimately, you guys both both must admit it's about keeping Luca as happy as possible. Yeah, that that, that is the key. That is the key. Yeah. But, but like I said, oh, go ahead, Keith. I was going to say it's also you don't want to get to the James Harden effect, though. Yeah. And yeah. the Houston, Houston Rockets, like, you got to – it's a whole bunch of things going it gotta on. you got to be a balance, yeah. man. Yeah. And, balance. and we got to make sure the top of the line is, is in shape or correct before it trickles down because you, you can talk about the problems. We can get into Luka, you know, complaining about the refs and all that type of stuff. That stuff should be in check by the, by the coaches. And, you know, Maverick fans even feel that same way. It's not like we're out and about and blind to it and, like, stop. He's, he doesn't do anything. So it, I feel like if you establish the top of the line better, and I think Rao agrees with this, that the rest of the guys will fall in place. But the thing is, sometimes we don't know who is the what's the hierarchy in Maverick land sometimes as far as including Mark Cuban, Jason Kidd, Nico Harrison, and whomever else. I agree. Joe, uh, any thoughts for, for the guys, my friend? Well, it's interesting you guys use the word stubborn. We've discussed uh, something that isn't talked about a lot in the mainstream media, mainstream sports media about coaches. Usually players are the ones that get blamed for being malcontents. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Jalen Rose has done many interviews about the 81-point game by Kobe, and uh, he comments about how Sam Mitchell uh, refused to double Kobe. And I know why he did it. He did it because... No one, if, if anybody, were, I mean, I mean, I know Sean and I are usually remembering these kind of details that far back. It's just, I, I, but I remember the game very well. They were down 18 uh, in the first half, and they were down most of the game. So I think what Sam Mitchell was trying to do was just say, "Hey, look, let him get his, and just shut everybody else down." But it, it, right. it quickly changed after that. So these coaches sometimes will actually can be a, a, a problem. Their egos can get in the way. And Darvin Ham, in his uh, first interview here a few days ago with Rob Palinka, uh, did what, what, and this is not just strictly for coaches, just anyone. 
he did something that you should never do in an interview. Say you're not going to do something and then do it, mm. which is he said he wasn't going to announce the starters. And then he ended up announcing two of the starters, which, and it wasn't LeBron and AD. Mm. So, <laughs> so a lot of times these coaches can, can, can stick to a certain, uh, I guess, certain philosophy in their mind. But the bottom line is, guys, we all know basketball. I, I know we're not coaching in the NBA. But the bottom line is the Dallas Mavericks have to make their shots to win, to have any shot at competing. They do have two damn good ones, though. So as long as Luka and Kyrie are making shots as the way they do, they're going to be – they're going to win games because that's what the NBA is about. And all Jason Kidd has to do is just try and formulate that team to those strengths. The only issue with that is can Kyrie and Luca buck the trend and at least play another 10 games instead of their usual 60 to 66 games? Uh, that's, that's how I look at that particular roster because there's really no margin of error. They don't have – another guy that could probably cover him for a little bit. Not, I'm not, it's not, it doesn't even have to be a third star, just at least someone that can maybe handle the ball. I mean, I guess they'll be able to help each other out if one's out or the other. Kyrie can obviously handle the ball as well as anyone ever. And then Luca's, I don't want to call him a poor man's LeBron. He's more of a, <laughs> uh, he's more of a very good LeBron, right? The guy that can right. score, Dish. Actually, he's a better shooter, obviously. He's a, he's but, a different LeBron. Right, right. Uh, so, it, it, man, the West is going to be the – West, the West is going to be tough. It's going to be a wreck. It's going to be gonna tough. Be a, it's going to yeah. be a car wreck all year long. It, it, and, and that's what it was last year. You had teams that were 14, <clears throat> the Lakers – they were at 14 and made it out. That doesn't happen. So I'm kind of curious to see how that works out this year, if it'll happen again. It's going to be about everybody staying healthy. Who, who, yeah. Which teams can stay the healthiest, man? Because if one team missed that one key guy, like like you said, man, last year, what was it, like the second or third seed? No, second or third seed? From the third seed to like the – 12th seed or something like that was separated by like two games or whatever. So if you had a couple bad games, you you going from like four to to nine or whatever. So and that's what happened with Dallas. They yeah hit a bad yeah. streak and then all of a sudden they're like, you know what? Let's just go and see if we can get a high pick. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. And then Rob Palenka went out there and was and was GM of the year, but he didn't get it. So after the trade the trade deadline, you guys like just flipped the whole team and just got an amazing squad around you of younger guys that are. You can, can do a little something, a little bit of everything. So I thought you guys were awesome. The Kyrie point that you made with Luke and Kyrie, I do want to say that I hope that Jason K finds a different philosophy on offense this year so that it isn't as much of what you guys are thinking that our normal offense is, that they play a little differently. So when Luke and Kyrie do miss games, that they can play a little differently. Like kind of like have a saw, system. Yeah, kind of like what we saw with Josh Green and Jaden Hardy in that Utah game, like you talked about. Less right? of your turn, Kyrie, yes. your turn, Luca, yes. your turn, Kyrie, your turn, because that they, could they could easily fall in love with that during yes. the course of the game. Because it's kind of like ISO by number king. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I, I also think it's a great thing that Kyrie put in his contract or wanted his contract to include incentives 
for him to play like more games and things like that. Like he wanted that. So it, it obviously is a big thing for him this year to play more than 65 games because he wants to be eligible for everything. I think this is a, this is a revenge season for him, you know, like kind of like LeBron say hashtag revenge season. So I, I think this is Kyrie's revenge. I'm, I'm very excited for the year. As long as Lucas stays in shape, Kyrie comes in ready and motivated. I mean, we saw Kevin Durant and Kyrie take a bunch of guys and look like they were the top of the, the, the league for a second until they, you know, things just broke up. So I think we have enough talent around them. Like I said, a lot of it falls on Jason Kidd, in my opinion. Once again, it is Relly King. Please go ahead and support their great work that they do each and every time out on We Talk Mavs YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Please go ahead and subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when they go live on the air with another great We Talk Mavs show. Magic Man, any last thoughts on the Mavs before we ask the $64,000 question on the Los Angeles Lakers or what they think they're going to do this season? Yeah, as, as much as uh, as uh, we're talking about Jason Kidd, guys, uh, you know, this is really a team run by Nico Harrison and Mark Cuban. So I was wondering if, uh, if you guys had any thoughts. Do you think that uh, – Maybe Nico's ideas of how to build a team are a little different than Jason Kidd. And maybe mm. that's why there's been uh, like a clash, so to speak, mm. in styles. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe that's <laughs> bubbling underneath. I don't know. That's kind of my feeling, but I don't mm-hmm. know. I could be wrong. Uh, it's funny you have that feeling and you're in the outside looking in. That's crazy because we talked about this before. Uh, like I said, we've had some beat writers and, and insiders on the show. We asked them these questions. And um, like I said, I, I kind of noticed some things beginning of the season uh, when we ended up getting, I, mean, I guess we could say it now, Christian Wood. Uh, it, it started with it stemmed with the whole Christian Wood thing. Uh, I, me and King kind of talked about this. We had a feeling you can see certain things on the court. You didn't have to have anybody tell us. You didn't have to read an article or nothing like that. You can just see it, right? We talked about the fact it just seemed like Christian Wood was the Nico guy. It wasn't the Jason Kidd guy. Um, and then later on, uh, actually this summer, we started seeing more articles coming out saying that that was the case. Kidd didn't like uh, Christian Wood from the jump. Like, he didn't even get his guy a chance. He didn't try to help him, like, you know, didn't give him a chance to compete or anything like that. You didn't communicate with him what his role was, nothing like that. Doesn't matter if he scores 30 on the Lakers on Christmas Day. None of, that, none of that mattered, man. None of that mattered, man. But Maxie and, had a good game, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, one game out of 82, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> but the thing, you know, like you said, man, you, what you're saying, we, we've been saying this. We've had other guests from other teams on our channel kind of ask these questions and kind of had the same uh, feedback that you have. And it's just like the, the thing is like, look, man, if you're going to build this team, you got to look at some how some of the great franchises do it. You all got to be on one page. The thing that kind of uh, uh, kind of got to me with the whole – Jason Kidd thing, not giving Christian Wood a fair chance. It's like you had this same type of mind frame at your last two stops. And what what did they get you? It didn't get you anywhere. Exactly. And and for your for your GM to invest a first round in this guy and you don't use him the correct way. And then we, we uh, get the season that we get. I'm not gonna lie to you. Your head should be rolling, you know. Like if I I mean, yeah. if it was me, I mean I'm not the GM, but if it was me, I mean it'd be some hey, you gotta get this right in like I said, like you were saying, I, I you don't want to go t- uh, two and ten or anything, but hey, if you don't get this right in like twenty games, then you might have to start. You might have to kind of ship you out of here or whatever, right? So, 
Yeah, no, what you're saying, that's how we felt all year. Like I said, articles are starting to come out now about it. Jason Kidd was not on board with, with Christian Wood from the jump. We don't, I don't know how their relationship is now because we've heard different opinions about how they run the, the organization. Like we've heard by committee, we've heard, oh, is Nico making the decisions? Oh, we hear is Mark Cuban making the decisions? We hear all this stuff all the time. We still haven't had a, a more unified, definitive answer on who is actually making the decisions of the team for for jason kidd just up and say i don't want to play this guy because i don't like him i mean how, how much uh say does he get in the franchise if you can do something like that and not and not get in trouble for it so i agree go oh, absolutely uh, yeah Joe, i mean and, like if oh, i was if i was nico i wouldn't i wouldn't like take it all the way up like that you know mm-hmm. but i'd be thinking you know next time this something like this happens yeah yeah we're gonna have a conversation about that yeah, first round. We give it a first round draft. Yeah, first round draft pick for him. Like I, oh man, it, it's just every time we think about it, man. But yeah, we talked about it so much like this past season. It just it's starting to become a just kind of annoying now. But yeah, <laughs> Joe, uh, it, it, any last questions? Go ahead, my it's, friend. It's not. It, this is this is status quo for the NBA guys. We watched uh, for a very short amount of time here the uh, the dramatizing era of, of of the golden era of basketball and winning time and there was yeah. an issue with uh, paul westhead and magic yep. johnson right mm-hmm. so paul westhead's ego got in the way not realizing that magic johnson is the best player on that team mm-hmm. and not understanding that this player is just different he's just different and you have to recognize that. And a lot of times it's hard for, for all-time greats, which Jason is. Jason arguably could be the second best pure point guard uh, ever, right? Now, I'm not, yes. I'm not, I don't believe so, but some can argue that. I mean, right? you can definitely argue. You can argue. I think he's a top five. He and definitely really, top five. And, and the reason why, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah he top And the five. reason why I say, I, I say that it, it is, there is an argument is that the guy – turned he, he reminded me of larry bird as in a, a, a point guard body right. you know I'm like when he came to dallas that rookie year i mean dallas i think won 20 games mm-hmm. and then they won 41 uh i believe it was 41 games like that is just that you know that that's shack like when he when he went to orlando when he arrived in orlando and shack is you know, Phoenix, you see what he did to Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. Phoenix. Um, New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey? New Jersey, really. I mean, it, 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 poor guy, he kept running into the Lakers. Uh, he should have got an MVP at least. Or, or t- yeah, he should have got an MVP. The, <laughs> but the ego part of this game, uh, it's much more difficult, especially for all-time greats, which he is. And then you factor in someone who's gifted and maybe not – putting in everything that might turn off a coach and create, you know, put them in the doghouse and create that kind of atmosphere as well. But the reality is in the end is uh, being an NBA coach is already pretty difficult. There's so many variables that are involved besides the fact that you have to manage egos. You have to inspire the role players. uh, You have to deal with the media. You have to deal with ownership. You have to deal with the rules and, you know, all, there's so many things that you got to deal with, and it's it's it, it's always been a players' league, so it's a little easy, a little t- it's tougher. It's tougher than let's say the NFL, where teams 
turnover the, the turnover is usually is pretty big to where you, if you, if you happen to be let's say a Bill Belichick or an Andy Reid you can you can kind of get through certain things because certain guys won't stay or whatever but at the end of the day guys I I don't Jason Kitt's gonna have to understand that he's probably not gonna have his perfect utopia and that might end up being his undoing because he might refuse to believe that he can't that he can create it. And that's just, it's just hard. It's hard. It's hard to not relinquish your pride when you're dealing with talents like, let's say, Luca and, and uh, Kyrie. Now, Luca's, there's a lot of noise about Luca demanding to leave Dallas. I, I, I wanted to ask somebody who's been around the Dallas, why does this keep coming? out is this just fodder that people are just saying just to say or is there, is there any kind of evidence or some kind of legitimacy on luca maybe speaking behind the scenes that hey look if they don't get their act together i'm gonna bounce nah it, it, it's really it, it, it's part of the course man you know whenever there's a superstar if, if one little thing goes wrong it's always oh this superstar is gonna ask for a trade and they're going to the lakers or new york or miami it's 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 every superstar, you know. We're hearing it with uh, Joel Embiid, right? Like we're hearing all these different superstars. It's it's, it's part for the course, man. That's just what it is. Uh, we we don't really take any type of credence with it, but it's just you know, um, it, like I said, I, I mean, I know I, don't, I can't speak for everybody. I know for me, I don't. I just I, I chalk it up to it's it's how it is in the NBA, man. Whenever there's a superstar that's maybe having one bad year or something, or something goes wrong, they're always talking about, oh, this it, it might be some rumblings that they're going to leave and go to the Lakers or to the to the Knicks or to Miami or whatever. So, it, uh, I mean. It's just the way they put more, I guess, unnecessary and away pressure on smaller market teams just by, you know, the NBA and most of the, the national media wants either the Lakers, the Knicks for some reason, or the Celtics, you know, to, to possibly have the superstars. So when something is going on, it's just to basically set something up and have something, I guess, clickbait so that folks can say, well, well, Luka Doncic is looking to be an L.A. Laker, possibly. They got something lined up for him or the Celtics are lining up for Luka Doncic or something like that. But as far as over here internally, we haven't heard anything as far as Luka Doncic. Well, Luka would have to be a free agent to have any shot at being a Laker. I've had this discussion with certain people, not on on our show, but – I, you know, most people don't know squat about anything. Uh, so I have to educate them daily. Luca's not ever in a billion years. Mark Cuban is not trading. Even if they put two guns and a Benelli to his head, he's not going to ever trade anything to LA. So for those of you who are listening, who are Dallas Maverick fans or not, Luca has one path to LA. He will have to be a free agent if he wants to be a Laker, and the Lakers have to have the money to sign him, which they 99% of the time don't. And I'm going to tell you right now, with this next contract, I don't know he if you heard the news. He's not giving up that contract. He's definitely not getting that contract. <laughs> so the super, so super max in Texas. Yeah. yeah. And his last year in that contract, he's going to be making almost $90 million. Yeah. yeah. So I don't. I, he's at least signing the contract. If he asks for a trade, and like you said, I doubt Mark Cuban tries to help you guys out. Zero. There's a zero chance. Zero. I agree. The only time he would have made a deal was for uh, Shaq. For Shaq, for Uh, Kobe. Yep. For Kobe. (laughs) Uh, Without using Dirk, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
So, so let me ask you guys this, and then we're going to go ahead and hit up on the Lakers. Magic, I'll get you started up next on that. Delano Hart in our chat, the best Lakers chat room that's out there, Lakers Fast Break, asked who is going to be the guy in dark times, or maybe when there's some bumps in the road, leads that locker room, because that's one also thing that both Kyrie and Luca over the years have been, eh, they've been called out on as far as being a positive leader in that locker room. Because, you know, Luca, he's constantly talking and whining to the refs. That's his rep. He's earned that rep, but he, you know, he does what he does. But being in that locker room, there has to be someone that needs to step up. And Luca's no longer the young kid out there. He needs to go ahead and be the all-star player, the super generational superstar that he is. Kyrie Irving, the same thing. But I have a feeling that you guys are going to give me a different name. I have a feeling I'd start if I'm looking for a leader in that locker room to get this team together through good times and bad. I would start with Grant Williams. That's who I'd start with. Your guys' thoughts? No, you got it. You know it. That's it. It's gonna be Grant Williams. He's our he's our Draymond Green. Yep. That's where they well, hopefully he keeps his ankles in shape. That's all I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other than ankles. Yo, yeah. And he isn't and, a and, nut puncher. And yeah, well <laughs> that too. The, the, Watch your chin too. Yeah, yeah. No, Grant Grant. Grant's all right. Grant's not a dirty player. He won't do that. <laughs> I, I, I like Grant. I also, but Kyrie's an underrated leader. As long as he keeps his mouth shut and stays, you know, on the court. I, I agree with. I agree. I agree with you, King. Like in the locker room, like mm-hmm. X's and O's, how we're communicating. That's where he's good. That's yeah. and and he doesn't get a lot of credit for that. Overall, I agree with you there. Great and, point. And Luca has to take the next step. Like always, we're waiting for him to be that leader, but. <laughs> Until then, we're looking at Grant Williams. We had an excellent, I think, video by, like, some of the beat writers and all they showed about Grant Williams taking the team in practice and saying that we got to practice defense and not being sloppy from from practice day one, like, because we got to take this into the game and be even better. So I think Grant Williams is a big piece of that. Hey, what, though? You guys have been tremendous so far. Please go ahead and support and do what you can to go ahead and check out all the great work that Rill and King do each and every time out on We Talk Mass. But before we head on out, Magic Man, I will go ahead and give you first dibs on questions about the Los Angeles Lakers because we always, with our guests, especially the ones that we're doing NBA observations on for all 30 NBA teams, including ours, of course. I was trying to subscribe to y'all channel. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Appreciate uh, you. Hey, Thank you very much. You know what? I have to edit this and I there hear myself. Go. That's me hearing myself on three different times. I don't know. Even I can stand that. But go ahead, my friend. When it comes to Magic Man, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. When it comes to Magic Man to the Lakers, what kind of questions do you have for Relin King? So, guys, uh, what what are the what are the main flaws that you see with the Lakers outside of LeBron's age? We know he's 38. He's going to be 39 years old. We know there's a lot of track on those tires. So we're getting near the end here. We know that. At least logical Lakers fans do. So outside of LeBron's age, what would you say is the the main flaw you see on the roster? Uh, Simple. Uh, (laughs) AD. AD, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a simple one. Uh. Shout out to Wilson Sign, man. He was on our show the other day, and he he asked, "Can AD play? What, what do he make? 126 on this contract? I got some this on him. Can he play? Can he play over 126 games within that contract? Yeah, that's the only question. Up, uh, cause y'all I got depth. 
I think I signed every uh, clutch sport player of all time on y'all <laughs> roster, man. Uh, so yeah, kudos to that one. But uh, no, nah, that's that's pretty much the main thing. Because look, this team goes as AD and LeBron goes. Uh, LeBron's gonna give it, man, whatever he can, whenever he can. You know, like you said, he's getting older. Well, he turned thirty nine in December. So, you know, it's gonna it's really gonna fall on on uh, AD. I think that's, for me, this thing's gonna be AD is gonna be the, the key. I, I've always asked. When y'all gave away what y'all did for AD, did you was it the best move for the the right amount of chips? I should say, AD was your your right away championship because LeBron still had it. It's LeBron and AD that that's amazing and unstoppable. But I always question if AD had it, and by it I mean like you know a bona fide first team All NBA every year guy that can lead a team to a championship. They were comparing him to like Tim Duncan. And that type of guy. So I'm, I still don't know if I think that the step for you guys to really be like a dynasty again is for AD and sometime in the close future, the near future to become a bona fide number one. And by that, I mean, playing the four or the five whenever he needs to just being like a couple years ago, he was better than Giannis and Joker and all of that. Like it, it wasn't too long ago. And now when we talk about those guys, it's usually Giannis, Joker and Embiid and Embiid's trying to fall out of that. But they don't talk about 80 the same anymore, like maybe a defensive player of the year, that type of stuff, trying to make the all-star game. So I think that the step for you guys to be – you have a good enough team where if LeBron can still be superhuman this year that you can go and compete for a championship. I guess you guys almost did it last year. And LeBron felt like – I felt like he wasn't 100% at that point. Mm-hmm. He probably never will be 100%, but that, that's the problem. So I just think you guys got to get AD to somehow become that dog like and have it and just be the guy where – it's his. Like, even in the finals running the bubbles, I felt like it, LeBron was trying to give AD the finals MVP, and AD didn't want to take it. And I just, I don't know. I need AD to be that guy. And I think if that happens, you guys are like clear cut favorites. But until then, you're going to have questions. Yeah, because it, it should be, it, I mean, LeBron should not still be a number one option, y'all. He's nah. 39 years old, about to be 40, right? So it, it, AD should have, this boy, this is like three or four years too late man like he should have been kind of took that torch and i remember lebron made some comments about that before rather they won a championship that he wants ad to be the guy you be the number one option you be the one who carried and ad gotta have that like king said he gotta have that dog in him man and that's the that's the big question for y'all can ad be that guy can he stay healthy can he be somebody i can count on to help carry this team you can't go 30 and 20 and then go down to like eight points you gotta you can't have those inconsistent games like yep. ad has too many of those games and that's Kind of Which why. is why I think he kind of fell out of that conversation with those guys that King just named off, right? Because I mean, people be that guy, like he said, you can't give me thirty-one game, and then all of a sudden you give me eight the next, man. That's just that's unacceptable. Joe, any thoughts, my friend, on the Lakers? Now, you, I was I was going to ask you guys a completely different question, but now you guys got my brain rolling <laughs> with AD. Oh, well, that's uh, something. This is his twelfth season. Something like that. Yeah, I think 20, so. 2012. So it yeah. means 12th season. Okay. The reality says no. He will never be the dog. And by the way, I don't even know if I want to use the word dog anymore because Jerry West screwed up the dog thing <laughs> by saying that I was never a dog. I was a wolf because wolves eat dogs. And I just, oh, I, was ready, I was ready for him to start. Shout throwing. Shout I was to, ready uh, for him to start throwing shout bars. To yeah. So down. with that, History says no. What AD could do is have at least one year 
where he's that. And I believe this might be the year, if any year, because there's been sufficient rest. There's been sufficient preparation. There's been a vote of confidence, if there ever was a vote of confidence, by having him sign another extension that's going to pay him a lot of money, even more money. So the, the 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 confidence is there. The comfortability is there. The depth from a young team standpoint is there. Whether they're going to work out, we're going to find out. But they've put enough young bodies in this thing with enough skill set to say there's a chance that this team might be able to put something together. And the Lakers, for the first time in the LeBron era during the playoffs, were able to sustain and actually extend leads in the playoffs when LeBron sat. That right there should scare everyone. If they improved the team on top of that and you have arrested LeBron, you are going to have a problem. And, of course, it's going to come down to AD being an MVP this year. I actually think... AD needs to win an MVP and a defensive player of the year in the same year to make up for the last 11 seasons of not, not disappointment. He's, he's going to the hall of fame. He's won at every level, but AD's talent, there's very, very few people that have really had that talent. That talent has to be rewarded with at least an MVP and a, he's got to have, he got screwed in 2020. There's no doubt there. I think if we didn't have the COVID situation, I think he would have won it. I, I don't know what the hell the voters were doing that, that year, but uh, he should have more anyways. He should be sitting on um, a, a couple already, but he, he might not, he might not have the, 24-7 gene. That's the thing. He might not have that. But I'd like him to have it at least for one year because if he did have it this year and LeBron doesn't get injured, they're probably winning it all. And that's the difference. That's what I would tell him. That's that's If I was Darvin Ham, that's what I would say. I'd say, look, here's the deal. I know you've been hearing about how you're the guy, right? Let me be. Let me be straight with you. It's not just you being the guy. Like, if you are this guy for at least this year, you are going to win the championship with LeBron one more time. And then when when the LeBron in, in, in AD era finishes here, whenever it does, multiple championships is what's going to be behind their names. And they will be Laker greats. They're Laker greats now, but they'll be – you'll start being able to talk like who's in the top five, who's in the top ten. Now, they, I don't think they'll – I mean – I don't think they'll be in the top five as, as Lakers. Uh, they, they're just impossible to get into that area right now. But uh, I can't get there. I'm sorry. Uh, LeBron. I, I. I. Well, let's let's let me let me run a quick number on that. Okay, you got to get through Jerry West, Kareem, Magic, Kobe, Worthy, Elgin, Wilt. Jeez, uh, it's hard. I, I would. It's hard. If he gets a second one, I think he. If LeBron got three, hundred percent he'd be in the top five. Uh, I guess if two, I would say what Shaq, Kobe, 
West. See, I didn't even say Shaq. Shaq, <laughs> Obi, West. I didn't even say Shaq. Magic and Kareem. They're the five probably right now, I feel like. And if uh, if uh, I don't know if it's if tough. Got two, you, King, it's tough. Believe just, me. I, just off his resume. Of him I had to that do league. this. Actually, here's what yeah. I did. I actually had to do this one time. I, or, or I actually, this is my preference. I said, to be in the top five, you have to be a life long you have to be a lifetime laker okay to qualify oh come on joe Uh, you're telling me kareem is not going to be in there i'm like i i I can't help it it's too many of them (laughs) i go we have a starting lineup just in statues (laughs) right so i i I mean you the argument could could be forever there's nothing you really you can do so ad has to get at least one year where he plays 70 to 75 games. Give me this, AD. Give me a top three in MVP season and a defensive player of the year, and we win the title. Has has he ever shown it? Like, what, what's what's giving you the idea? Not over a full built? season. Not Only over a full season. Never. Not, I felt never like did. even in 2020, kind of in the playoffs, he kind of did the so two games went, one. He, yes. He went out. Yeah. He went off springboarding that – start of that season and then he dipped a little bit mm-hmm. then then they played the clippers in the box and that's when the worms started to turn as far as people saying oh maybe he's turned a corner here but then like you said king kind of dip a little bit uh-huh. yeah and that happened. I, I don't think he dipped that much that year they it was a little it was a little dip it was they a little were dip. winning they were winning see here's the thing here's the thing about that season they weren't beating the like the Milwaukee's and the Clippers early on. I mean, they won a couple of games against the top tier teams, but what they were doing is they were winning the games they were supposed to win, right? Yeah. So they they kept doing that. They kept doing that. Then they hit February and they started smoking everyone. And then that's, you know, AD never got a chance to finish that season in, 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 in normal form. I believe if they had not stopped, stopped, I think he would have won defensive play of the year that year for sure because they had already anointed him that the second month of the year. I remember the the talk that like, look, AD's already won this award. He's, he's got yeah, it. I think yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I do remember right. that. I just but, I just feel like the Pelicans and even that like I just have no track record of AD ever consistently being that guy and even no. into the playoffs and all like what he, he got to the playoffs what once with the Pelicans or twice? He did right. he twice. Uh, I think twice. He, needed, he needed help with Rondo. Yeah, Rondo was the leader of the team. Even I felt like towards the end of the year, we could say, uh, what's his name was the better player? Uh Demarcus Cousins. When he right, got there with kind of like right, King. When they chopped up the Blazers in four, that was basically Rondo running the show. Mm-hmm. And then they got swept by Portland. Is that correct? Well, Portland uh, swept, Gold swept State. Portland. Yeah, Golden State, State. Swept them, sorry, yeah. 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 So and ADO, it always seems like AD reminds me, and I don't know if folks are going to kill me for this, but like the question is, he reminds me more of like a Kevin Gardner. And Kevin Garnett, the question is kind of Kevin Garnett had with Minnesota the same. Is he the guy? Is he the guy that's that killer at the end of the game, or does he want to defer the ball? Is he re- like Kevin Garnett can get you, what was it, 20, 10, and 5, or 25, 10, and 5 out of the. He used to say 20, 10, 5, yeah. 20, 10, and 5, yep, out of, his, out of his bed or whatever, just waking up. He automatically got that. But could he be the guy that's saying, Put my team on my back and let's let you know. Let me ride this out, and you guys can look at me, and I'll take you to the promised land. I felt like when he had Sam Cassell and even Troy Hudson and all that kind of stuff with KG, that's when he took off and had the best season of his career. 
even with Paul, Paul Pierce and Ray Allen, when he got over to Boston, he just basically deferred more to defense and being a leader and on that side of the ball. I just don't think AD has that more of that Tim Duncan uh, or even Dirk kind of like at a point, let me go and, and you guys just jump on my back. He's more of a, I'd rather be on the train. And that's no disrespect to him. I just, so far in his career, that's what I've seen. Kevin yeah, Garnett's an all-time player, King. That's no disrespect to AD no, at all, no, brother. None, no, 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 whatsoever. And I've I've always said this about AD. I've always I told Kings before. I feel like he is a a number one talent mm-hmm. with a number three or number four mindset as mm. far as like options or whatever. Right? It's like he, I'm gonna give you my points, but I don't want to be the guy that you have to depend. I don't want to be that guy that you want to depend on. I just want to go in here and get my buckets and go home. Which is why we always see the inconsistency with them. It's like, well, dang, you just gave us thirty yesterday. Why are you only giving us eight today, right? You got a lot of those 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 top tier players. Like you know what Giannis is gonna get you every night. You know he's right. gonna get you thirty every right. night. Right, it's, like it's like a it's like a Philly pretty that that yeah. uh, doesn't want to work hard. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like you 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 want that guy to be a guy like oh, oh we not worried about him. We know he's gonna get you thirty, or we know he's gonna get you twenty seven to ten, or whatever the case is. Right, he's a guaranteed this number every night if you want to be one of those top upper echelon players but we know those guys gonna give you those numbers every night and so that's i think that's the thing with with uh with ad well i just want to say i'm gonna be curious to see since we're talking sorry jared g i'll 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 finish real quick here no worries i'm gonna be i'm gonna be i'm curious to to know now are those who understand that you're gonna have to play more than 65 games to qualify for awards i'm gonna i'm curious to see if that's actually going to be a thing. Be a thing. Is is People is AD care. is AD going to be able to get it with? You just said AD can possibly get an MVP. He lost. He lost a rebounding title because of that last yeah, year. Yeah, like will he play sixty five games? He has to play sixty five games to get those awards. Actually, I, I think mean, he needs to play. Same with Luca. Luca lost four title because of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know Moshi in the uh, in the chat has taken issues with the AD as far as uh, you know he's a big supporter. It looks like, and I agree. You know Moshi, you know he's been sensational at times for the Lakers. Uh, you know, 2020 season. If you want to go ahead and say he was he's consistently great for the Lakers, especially in the playoffs. You know, I, I don't think you get too much of an argument from me personally on that. I will say though, the AD since the bubble has been and you you know whether it's through injuries or whether through other factors it has been an up and down a little bit of, of an up and down ride since the bubble we'll go ahead and, and state that i think that we all can agree on that mm-hmm. but the potential of what he can do we saw what he did especially those first two rounds of the playoffs what he can do what he can bring and if he can bring that for another full season for the lakers i think that's going to be something that can make for a special season for the team but before we head on out Wanted to go ahead and hit up one last question from our audience. Uh, wanted to go ahead and hit another Delano question is, who do you think the Laker that will really step up for you, uh, step up for us this season? Who do you think that Laker will be? Obviously, AD, LeBron, obviously have to be the superstars that, that you know, we pay them and also what, they, what they've been for most of their careers. Who do you think will be the guy that's going to help step up, really step up the plate and help the Lakers this season? Yeah, I know what I'm about to say. Christian Wood. Christian Wood. So that's Look. that's the thing. Christian Wood has been kind of like back and forth of enigma for us as well since we signed him. I think you know, be, you know, why not give him a shot? You, you've got him on the veterans minimum, no problem. We understand that he hasn't. You know, people have disagreed with me on the chat as far as this. He has burned several bridges out there with other teams, not just the Mavs out there. There's a reason why he went and signed with the Lakers for the minimum because he could not get 
anything better because a lot of places he has burned his bridges with. You guys seem to be really high on the potential of Christian Wood. I've been watching him since UNLV. I know his game, and I've seen him, uh, you know, as far as the potential he can bring to a team. But you guys seem really high that he's going to put the pass behind him in, in Dallas after that fiasco with him and Jason Kidd and really make something special for the Lakers, guys. Yes. Yeah, uh, Darvin Ham has already communicated with him. I was just about to say that. That's, that was, that's, that's, that's like number one out the gate. And you guys have like, so I always say this. When we had Dirk Nowitzki, the best team we had around him gave him Tyson Chandler to back up his deficiencies, a guy like that, so that Dirk could do what he was what he was best at, scoring the bucket. When you got a talent like Christian Wood, you don't look for other guys and say, who's giving me better effort? Who's giving me better value? And Christian Wood, you should have put guys around him that could, you know, take up for his deficiencies, better defenders and all around him. You have an AD who we just talked about who can play the heck out of defense. He's one of the best one-on-one defenders and just basically playing one through five on switches or whatever. You you mix him with a, a, a Christian Wood who is an offensive. He's a bucket getter. This guy is another basically 50, 55, extremely, 40, yeah, extremely almost 80 guy for his last yeah. year. And he's a guy that's not afraid to take a, take a shot. And in, moment, in big moments, he's not afraid. He, he will go like you probably saw him against you guys last year when he came back and was helping us play against y'all. Like he he has no fear. So if oh, you we remember that, the Christmas Day massacre, brother. We do. If you we do. pair that with Anthony Davis, I think that's a that's an awesome tandem. I think you got your offense that time. That's going to always get you guys, and you're going to make up for Christian Wood and make him a better defender, putting him beside Anthony Davis. So as long as his role is like concrete, and Darvin Ham has talked to him and communicate with him, I think Christian Wood is going to be an incredible weapon for you guys. Yeah, because. One, one thing for I know you're trying to get ready to go. One kind of piggyback no, what he I'll just take said. Your time, man. All good, good. They, well, I know people always use his like, oh, he burned bridges everywhere he went. And I kind of have to ask the guy who was on our show. You got to looking back at Christian Wood's career so far. He was undrafted, right? So he's not a top ten pick or anything like that. So for what he's doing right now, that's that's a pretty good thing. You're an undrafted player, and you put you can give me seventeen and ten on, on a good night, right? And the fact that he has not, he didn't become Christian Wood, the guy that everybody knows now, until Detroit. That was only three teams Detroit, uh, Houston, and Dallas. It was only three teams. But he played on eight different teams. So, like, why are we counting the other five? And you weren't even established yet. You weren't putting up 17 in those other five teams. You was going to put like five or four or five points a game. So, you were, you were just like some random guy on those yeah. other teams. And Houston so, wasn't what he wanted Houston to be. Houston, he wanted to be a winner. Yep. Yeah. So, in Houston, like, people keep don't remember this. It's not the fact that nobody else wanted him. Detroit wanted him. They wanted to keep him. He wanted to go to a a, a team that's going to be able to go to the playoffs. He wanted to be part of a playoff winning team, which is why he went to y'all. Because he could have went to Miami, right? He chose y'all because it's a better fit, better situation, and the fact that y'all just came from the West Conference Finals. He saw an idea, I mean, a chance to play for a coach, who, like like King said, communicated with him and lets him know what his role is. We didn't have that here in Dallas. We had a coach that made a mind up about him before he even stepped foot on the court, before he put a uniform on. So he was already behind the eight ball then. But with the Houston thing, he thought he was going over there playing with uh, James Harden and who would, a couple years ago were just in the Western Conference Finals. And we all know what happened with James Harden, right? Two weeks later, he wants to get traded. Start putting on the fat suit. They want to stay in, in Houston. So you just left a rebuilding situation in Detroit to all of a sudden step foot in a rebuilding situation that you had no idea was a rebuilding situation because you have James Harden leaving and now you have a rookie coach. So then, hey, Team number three. Let's go ahead and go to the Mavericks. Then you already know, like I said, you already know how that whole situation happened with the whole uh, Jason Kidd thing. So it's just like it just is a lot of uh, unlucky circumstances with him in the last like maybe I say two teams. Cause Detroit, I don't count Detroit because Detroit wanted to keep him. 
He wanted to keep him. He just wanted to go to a better situation. So he, he could have went back to Detroit, I guess, if he wanted. I think I heard something about that too. But they didn't have the money. They yeah, didn't have the money. They didn't want to spend the money for him as much as he was going to get from Houston. So, but yeah, so that's that's why he didn't go back there. But yeah, that, I mean, look, I, I think he's going to do good for y'all, like King said. Just communicate, man. You you saw his quote when y'all picked him up. His quote was not just as an assurance for y'all. That really was a subliminal slubin- shot to our team. Your coach can can talk to you and and like I said, break down what you roll in, let you know exactly what you're going to do. He's letting you know how integral a part you're going to be on his team, the offense, all that stuff. You already know how he is. It should be anybody in here blind to the fact of what he can and cannot do. Everybody knows, you know. So, I I I, I wish the uh, the best of luck to Christian Wood. He deserves it. Uh, I, I feel like he's better. He's he's finally found that situation that he's been wanting the last two years. I'll tell you what, though, you guys have been sensational. I really wanted to go ahead and make sure I asked this question. That's what I really wanted to go ahead and get. Because if I don't ask this question, I'm gonna be like after the show, I'm like, oh, I oh, forgot yeah. to ask them. Those kill me. The question is, where do you see this season in the Western Conference standings, where the Mavericks and the Lakers end up? I want to make sure that we always have to ask that for everybody that we talk to. So, where do you see the Mavericks and the Lakers uh, falling? Is where what place? in the Western Conference this season. Jerry, I swear this is not a cop-out. But <laughs> if you go back and look at our shows, I've been saying the same answer. From us, I don't know. We have a lot. We pretty much have a new team yep. surrounding Luka and them. So I need to see it first. Like I said, we have our first game here on Thursday, our first preseason game. Because right now I know a lot of Mav Brass and, uh, you know, Mav Media guys and other content. TGK, he's one of them. Other time, content creators. We're, we're out here guessing right now because we don't know. Um uh, but we don't know what Jason Kidd we're going to get. This is a whole new defensive uh, scheme that we're going to be using. We got a whole, like I said, a whole, pretty much a whole different team. So we don't know how the defense is going to work with these players. Uh, we're, we're hoping that Jason Kidd implements an actual system for the offense. So we got to see how that goes. So right now, I don't know. I'm hoping that we end up, you know, top four. We were top four without, you know, a lot of key defensive guys. Like King said, we're going to have two, maybe three defensive guys on our team a year we went to the West Conference Finals. So so now we have a center. We have more wings and youth and all that stuff. So I'm hoping top four. I could definitely see the Lakers top four in the West. But it's, it's going to be one of those cases, I think. I don't think it's as far as whose team is better. I think it's who can stay the healthiest yep. in, the, in the West. That's going to be the key. On paper, on paper, I'll give you the on paper answer. We're both out of the play and like Neither one of us should be in the play and I think we're both should be a top 16. Uh, but that's going to come down to circumstance, as my partner said. It's about health, uh, injuries, and basically if coaching does what it's supposed to do. So I, I think we're both good to go. I know the West is deeper, but if you if we're going to go down a line of guys in the West that I trust the most, both of our teams have two of the five guys that I definitely point towards and say, hey, in a playoff series, I want that guy. So between mm-hmm. LeBron and Luka and even Kyrie. So, yeah, I think we'll be fine. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. 
So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Magic Man, Joe, any thoughts, my friend? Go ahead. The floor is now yours, guys. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. I'm good, Joe. I'm good, too, guys. Thank you so much for being on here tonight. We had hey, a- appreciate well, you guys. I have one Look. question, though. Okay. All right. This, this, this has been this. I saw this this going around on Twitter. I, I gotta know y'all, y'all are Laker fans. I gotta I gotta get this answer. Who is the all time greatest Laker? Is it Kobe or Magic? It's Magic Johnson. Okay. Ty. Hmm. I'd say Magic. Magic. Okay. It's a tie. Yeah. It's guys, a guys, guys. Uh, Kobe <laughs> is. Kobe owns L.A. He does. He does. Okay, I, I'm, I'm going to say this again. Uh, G- Gerald, you've heard this. Sean, you've heard this. Most of our panel have heard this. Guys, you haven't heard this. Kobe could go. used to go to a Baskin-Robbins in Orange County. He used to live in Newport. He'd get the occasional art- autograph, but all those uh, yuppies over there think they're big shots, too. That's why mm-hmm. they weren't all enamored with Kobe. If Kobe steps out of his car in L.A., you think Taylor Swift has a has a crowd? Don't touch Kobe Bryant. Okay, Kobe Bryant made people go wacko. And this is coming from a Magic Johnson. Like my whole life was Magic Johnson growing up as a kid. Okay. Magic Johnson epitomized LA to the highest level of everything you could imagine. He was Showtime. He was Hollywood. He was LA. He was huge and you can still say just like my my friends here you can still say he's number one and not really get an argument right but i'm trying to also give you the other side kobe was a killer and la loves killers R- much better than they like people who smile <laughs> and kobe, kobe played on the team longer than magic too yeah so kobe i i it's amazing to think this but in a city of stars for a hundred years, I can actually feel comfortable saying he's the greatest star LA has ever had, which is nuts to say, considering you've had Jack Nicholson and Humphrey Bogart and Warren Beatty and all these freaking movie stars and musicians and everything. Kobe but you gotta Bryant. understand, Joe. But you gotta understand, Joe, for someone like me, I grew up as a kid watch I get it magic orchestrate you're showtime. not you're not getting you're not you're not wrong and seeing and seeing the league come from like when you would show the games on tape delay after the yeah. local news at 11 30 to bring it to prime time kobe when he finally started playing in the league it was already on a worldwide platform that's the big you know, magic that's and the bird big difference they elevated they elevated the sport they put right. the league on their back and they yeah. elevated to the to the spot where jordan and ultimately, Kobe got to it. So for, for me, it's just, it, it's so close. It's like a, a, you know, a hair thin between those two. I understand what both did. I've lived through them both. But again, for me, it's just a little bit more what I say about what Magic did for me as far as what inspired me to become a Lakers fan. Right. Hey, so. Magic is the is the best at his position, and Kobe's the second best. I think that's a... Uh, that's another good way. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's one that's, other good way of looking at it. it. But I do have one question for you guys as well, then, since Rel had one. Is Austin Reeves him, or is he getting a little bit of the THT treatment? Because mm. he's in LA. 
That's a great. Or, or the Alex Caruso that's, treatment. That's that's oh, that's well, a great. Well, we touched on the Mark Manson. Uh, so so we we go ahead. Uh, we actually gave Austin Reeves a contract, so we can't. Uh, we shown Alex Caruso the door. Uh, dumbasses that we were for that. But, uh, didn't do that with Austin Reeves. King, to answer your question, I don't think so. Okay. I think he's. I think he's a really good player. I think ideas about him being an All Star are way too premature. Way too premature. There are a couple guys ahead of him right now. I mean, uh, if Austin Reeves wants to make an All Star team, he's gonna have to hope. Desmond Bain just craters because uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think um, Clay Thompson this year. Clay Thompson is there. Mm-hmm. Devin Booker. Like I don't think there's a place for Austin Reeves making an All Star team this year and maybe next year. I, think I just want a, him to be a good player. Good player. Yeah, team. that's what we're that's looking all for. On honestly, okay. he 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 really showed us uh, a lot of grit in the playoffs because his legs were jelly after that. Uh, after that Golden State series, guys, like we had no legs whatsoever. And we, and I just, I just equated Sean to like found money. I've told you on the show, I found money. You've got a guy that came undrafted, you know, those kind of guys like in Miami, you find those guys, they become really good players for you. It's like found money because, you know, these guys were just, you sign them on a minimum, sign them on a two way, they develop and they become something much more than you ever planned for them being as a Lakers. So I'm really happy to see him develop to where he is. Are there issues with him? Yes. We saw on FIBA that they hunted him out and, mm-hmm. and on the defensive end. And so I have concerns on isolation defense. But then again, this is a guy who was undrafted, now playing a major role on this team. And if he plays like he did in playoffs and can carry that through, I'm a happy guy. I'm not worried about him, you know, all the hype, you know, all the all-stars. Just be solid. Just be good. Just be productive. And just help us out and help us win games. And I think that – Everybody on the panel and everybody in the chat will be good with that. You know, for those out there that really want to go on the hype train, you'll never be satisfied because Austin Reeves just needs to be him, not him. <laughs> yeah, right. Him, so. Lake, Laker Nation tends to overvalue. And, and, and I say that in the most respectful way because I'm not saying that Austin Reeves isn't a very good player, but we overvalue our players sometimes we, we, we think they're supposed to be better than what they are. Uh, this whole contract situation during the summer, everyone is sitting there going, he's going to get a hundred million dollar extension. And my inner, like, like the, what is it? The devil and the, the angel, whatever the hell conscience. you want to call it. Right. My conscience basically. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, wait, wait a minute. What, when did Austin Reeves become a $25 million a year player? And, we're all we're here assuming that the Spurs are going to drop twenty five mil per on him and make the Lakers match it, and it's going to do this, it's going to do that. Then he gets his contract and he's making fourteen, and I'm going, yeah, yeah, actually that's probably better. That's actually market value. Yeah, it's not bad. And the unfortunate thing, it's funny the irony in the whole Alex Caruso thing because they always like to compare Austin to Alex Caruso what the Lakers did and I try I'm trying to support the Lakers in this decision and I'm I'm sticking to it I've said it for for a few years now THT showed promise he was 20 years old that's why they went with him versus Caruso mm. and now at the time I said well 
here's a here was a kid who was just barely 19 actually showing stuff in a playoff game. I go, we don't know where THD can go. Maybe he can start playing, you know, uh, six man, seven man type, you know, ball. That's that's what I thought. I go, can this guy be a six man? That's valuable. He's 20 years old. He's showing promise. And unfortunately, he didn't. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I think Vogel, that was one of the bad things about Vogel's uh, coaching a little bit. And I'm not blaming all Vogel. Obviously, he's not been doing too well in Utah either. And Will Hardy's a really good coach. I thought, you know, he put him in positions where I think he didn't belong. Um, he wasn't a spot-up shooter. He could kind of sort of control the ball, but not really. So this game is limited. Let's just put it that way. And then Alex Caruso, had had they decided to retain him instead of THT, uh, hit, uh, guys like Austin Reeves would not have felt like jelly uh, in, in the Western Conference Finals because you could have put Caruso on uh, Jamal uh, Murray and, and lessen the load there. That might that that will go down as as, as a a gut punch because when you find a non drafted player who's a defensive player, a, a number one, a first team defensive player, mm-hmm. I mean that is you are not striking gold. You are striking uh, uh, an island of diamonds. I'm about to say, and you did it twice. You would have done it twice. So that's the only kind of like, damn it. You know, we could have taken advantage of the fact that we didn't have to spend any assets, not even a draft pick, to get these guys that are so damn productive. And it ended up probably costing us, maybe not all the way. I mean, I think Denver just – it was their year. I was – I called Denver 2023 the the Dallas Mavericks 2011. They just just had something that whole year and nothing was going to stop them. And yeah, we have a little bit of a a hope here that at some point Chicago will hit the skids and you know end up Thank saying, you. "All right, we're having a fire sale." Hopefully, Rob calls Reinsdorf and the crew and go, "Hey, bring us back Caruso for whoever you want." <laughs> but yeah, anyways, I, I sorry, go Gerald. Do you have anything else? No, no. These guys yeah. have been sensational. Again, guys, I uh, I'm looking. Yeah. I am uh, look Gerald and, and Sean created this uh, kind of extension to the the 29 teams in terms of the people who are actually invested in them. Uh, I believe this is going to be a massive asset to the show, and, and we're all going to benefit from this because the network is absolutely going to blow up. We are going to know everything and anything. See, the one thing, really is, is, is this Christian Wood thing. You... I was going to ask questions about it, but you kept answering them before I asked them. You are the only guy that has talked any positivity for Christian Wood. And you're the only, I feel like you're the guy that's qualified to do it. You're that you're actually watching this stuff. You're actually monitoring it. Cause I haven't been able to get nothing, nothing from this. Like what is going on? Why did this guy, uh, Jason Kidd hate this guy so much? Why? Why is he jumping around? Like, what's going on here? Because uh, I ha- we haven't been able to get an answer. At least with with Dwight Howard, we would hear things like, "Well, he would do, you know, he was immature, and he would do stupid pranks in the locker room. He would talk behind people's back. He would say something stupid in the interview." I haven't seen Christian Wood do anything on camera that's been dumb. 
and I haven't seen I haven't seen one damn word about what the hell is going on behind the scenes. So it's nice that you actually gave us some clearance on that. Yeah, I mean, like us, like you said, I we well, I, it's a it's a whole different uh, subject on uh, the the mass media over here, man. It's it's a different beast. Um, you know, they they like to push certain narratives and stuff like that, man, but. Like oh, I said, it's no man. different with any of the medias. It's yeah, no different with Lakers media. Yeah, it's you'd you'd find the same thing. Yeah, it's 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 how you weed through it, how you yeah. interpret it, and how you actually see things for what they're worth. And that's what we do on the show. We try to go ahead and weed through all the BS and just try to give it give it straight. I mean, you know, again, there, there, there's a certain narrative that the team and its reporters, in order to stay, and we get that. We understand that you can't say certain things, you can't do certain mm-hmm. things in the presence of the players in the organization. Otherwise you lose privilege. You see Ramona Shelburne. I mean, uh, the SPN, she, she was the Lakers go-to person. Saw what happened there. She became persona non grata because mm. she burned Sound a couple familiar. of bridges and that, yeah. Now where she's at, she's reporting on Philadelphia from Los Angeles. Most of the time. Oh, so, yeah. I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know that. She still lives in LA, but yet she's now one of the Philadelphia, Philadelphia uh, covers them, you know, covers a lot of Embiid stuff. So we, I, I get it. It's just, it's with every team. If they don't like the narrative that you're pushing as a team reporter, it's just, you know, that's what it is. And they'll make you persona non grata really shortly, but you two have been sensational. Your show again, like ours cuts it like it is. It tells it like it is. It's just truly sensational. It is. We talk mouse, but before we head it out, the floor is now yours guys. Please let everyone know. All the things that you guys do, all the things you want to let everybody know about, and all the great things that you do, and all the places that they can go ahead and follow you as well. That's all you, bro. You know. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, guys can follow us on all socials under We Talk Mavs. Um, we just pretty much talk about everything, Mavs. We do it from a fan's perspective. Like we said, man, I know a lot of people uh, nowadays aren't big fans of ESPN. They feel like ESPN doesn't really cover these teams the correct way. They, they feel like they don't take the actual due diligence to actually learn these teams. <coughs> uh, WWE. Yeah, pretty much. To give insightful information. So, you know, that's where guys like us and guys like y'all, this is ch- channels like this, you know, me and King watching. I kind of got the idea from King. I kind of got hooked ever since. I find channels like this, man, to get my information for different teams and stuff like that, man. I don't even listen to – I don't really watch ESPN. I don't watch Fox Sports, none of those guys anymore because they don't know what they're talking about. Like, how many times y'all watch one of those channels and they say something about your team and you're like, well, that's not that's not true, right? So that's kind of how I am. Uh, but, yeah, we, we cover every Maverick uh, story. We we actually start doing our post-game show. We do post-game shows after every Maverick game. Uh, we're going to be starting here on Thursday. Uh, on the fifth, when we played uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, and I mean, that's pretty much it, man. Like I said, we just we cover the Mavs. That's what we do. And yeah, you do I'm, a great job of that, absolutely. What, Go what's ahead. happened? What's happened, guys? Is we are the message board clan of our teams mm-hmm. that are now on now showing our faces and our voices. Right. The the announcements on trades, the announcements on acquisitions. If you look at the timing of the announcements, now I know that Wojanowski and Shams are like the guys, right? Like they're the main guys. But let's say before Twitter a, a little bit, the, the announcements of trades and acquisitions when you were on a message board 
was quicker than anything ESPN or any other sports channel back in the day because yeah. you have this group of, collect- of of collectives that are that are able to connect to so many different things, mm-hmm. and that's where the real, I guess, information is in a lot of ways. All the information, like I, I, I don't, I still never heard. We had a problem, uh, and I, I believe it played a huge part. Now that we're talking about it, played a huge part in the loss against Dallas in 2011. Is there was uh, an issue with Shannon Brown and Paul Gasol behind the scenes? Mm. We I didn't hear one word outside of the inner circle of the Laker fandom. Mm-hmm. We, we started hearing about how there might have been a little bit of a cross check of some relationships. And mm. it completely jacked up the the team mentally. I mean, I I, I don't know if it played a complete role. I mean, Pau Gasol turned into which one is it? The 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 the, cap, the, the lion and the in the Wizard of Oz. Oh, oh Murray, right. And I I use yeah. that analogy. And I hate to say that because I love Pau. He's my guy. But uh, I just thought the punch that, and I'm sure you guys remember seeing that the punch that Phil Jackson gave him into the heart. Mm-hmm. Was where the f is your heart right now? Oh, He's yeah, yeah. playing like a bomb, right? And Kobe, we found out later that he said, uh, or we report out, he didn't say it. Report was his knee was pretty much bone to bone at that point, and they they actually struggled mm. against the Hornets, mm. the, the then or the now Pelicans, uh, in the first round. It took them six games to beat that team, right? Aaron Gray looked like Will Chamberlain in that series because Chris Paul was just running circles around everyone. But anyways, the I, I I just don't think anyone can do what we're about to do. I think there's some – this thing's about to change because the ESPN panels – and I, I just saw an old clip of Tom Jackson and, 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 and Boomer. Oh, my God, their voices. In the, it was a 1991 show. I just got goosebumps. So I was like, I man, it, I've been man. listening to Tom Jackson and, yeah. and, and Chris Berman in my in, in, until I in my deathbed just to listen yeah. to them talk. And now it's a bunch of cackling, just jackasses. Who half of them? I'm like, what? What did you say? Like, what? What are you talking about? Like, that's half the the five minutes that I'll I'll coherently understand <laughs> what's going on. I'm like. I can't, I can't do this. I can't. I, I can't. I and can't. that reaction you just had—that's what they—that's what they go for. They want people to be like, "Man, did you hear what he just said? Like, hear what Kendrick Perkins said, or whatever." It's like, are they are they just reading a box score and just guessing? Uh, well, I mean, King, saying... King kind of King kind of did a little a little uh, a little uh, kind of digging a little bit, man, on, on Twitter one day. And he was like, "You can tell what games they watch by some of the interactions they have on Twitter." And if you don't see them, yeah, like you be like, yeah, then they're probably not watching it. But then when you see him on the next day on their show, they're like, yeah, man, that that pass he did to such and such, man, that was just this and that. I'm like, but you didn't watch the game, man. I know you didn't watch the game because you didn't say anything but this game on Twitter. And they crack on Chris, they crack on Chris Collinsworth, right? People hate Chris Collinsworth, but that that freaking guy, I'm like, how the hell does he know that George Pickens? (laughs) Was doing that the other day. Like I'm like, what? Somebody's dude, in his you ear. Were, you were doing a Miami. You were doing a Miami Bills game last week. Like, how the hell did you know George yep. Pickens? Well, you know, we're sitting in meetings and doing this. I'm like, dude, that's way too much information. 
for you to find that out. That you have too much to do. You got to fly. You got to go eat. You yep. got a family. Like how the hell did? So for those of you who hate Chris Collins, I'm like, look. At least there's one thing that guy does well is he knows everything. He knows everything about your team. And to me, if we're gonna do this, we gotta know everything because there's nothing better. And and, and again, I, I I've been doing this even before I did any of these shows. I, I've talked to, I, I I had an interaction with a Bulls fan one time at a Cheesecake Factory. He knew nothing. At, at, at like after about two minutes, he just started staring at me because <laughs> he was saying things like, "Michael had six uh, scoring titles," and I was like ten. Uh, George, uh, Bulls won five championships in the in the nineties. I'm like six. He didn't know what to do with himself. He didn't know what's but, going on. A, a, anyway, the the point is, uh, and it's not a play on words here. Real, recognize real. Mm-hmm. Uh, we appreciate the work you put into this. It's Absolutely. not easy. It's not easy. No, we under I, we understand what it's like when the cameras roll off. So I know how hard you guys work. I appreciate the grind. Mm-hmm. And King, I know you, you guys coming on here. Absolutely, King. I know you wanted to, to go ahead and, and oh. make sure you. Yeah. Any thoughts? Thoughts? Thoughts, my friend. All I, I, I wanted, wanted to make to sure say you say was it's it's horrible. The horrible part about the national media is that they sway the casuals. So that's why I tell Ro I pay attention to it because I like knowing why people have the off the wall top, uh, you know opinions they do have. I'm like, oh, okay, you must have watched ESPN. You must have watched this and that. But. Um, that's my last point on that. Other than that, guys, I just wanted to thank you three for having us on the show, man. This was incredible. Uh, we had a bunch of fun. It was awesome seeing uh, Lakers Fast Break gang in the comments talking with our glow yard we have. And uh, this was incredible, man. We hope to do it again. Or we'll at least have you guys on our show. Absolutely. Actually, we'd be honored. Anytime. Yeah, we'd be honored. We'd be honored, yes. man. Anytime. Awesome. And we're and we're uh, love to have you back on the show anytime you guys would be available, or maybe if we could set it up for a pregame before well, the Mavs the, and the Lakers. Guys, at least yeah. so yeah. four opportunities. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, four times this year. Yeah, there you go. Four W's for the Mavs. There you go. There you go. But uh, we'll probably say otherwise. But I understand absolutely. But you guys have just been tremendous on the show, and I also want to give a big thank you to all your followers that joined us on today's program. I saw them in the chat. It is truly appreciated and immensely grateful for all the time that you took. You and gentlemen me. have a classy room. Yes, really absolutely. Great. Everybody really was great, great interacting with each other. Our, our audience. Thanks to Matt Yeah, they were great with each other. It's just truly great to see that <laughs> it's not all name calling and, and this and that. And it was just like, you know, like that you've seen before. This was just truly awesome and a great experience. Once again, it is Rel and King. Please go ahead and support all the great work that they do each and every time out at We Talk Mavs, whether on social media, whether it's on YouTube, podcasts, wherever you go ahead and catch them. Please go ahead and support them today at We Talk Mavs. Rel and King, thanks so much. Again, this week, just want to make sure everybody knows we will finish off our entire list of NBA observations and season previews of all 30 NBA teams. We will get it done. Magic Man, I think it ends tomorrow night, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, just in time for training camp. Who knew? Yes, absolutely. Last two teams we will cover tomorrow with Portland and also as well Oklahoma City. Plus, I think we might do a redo with Candy talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, now that Damian Lillard well, is now a Milwaukee book, we'd like to hear her thoughts on that. So we'll probably schedule that this week. Also as well, you've got Media Day, which you guys know for you guys is going to be interesting. For us, it's always interesting as well. Plus training camp begins. 
when do you guys go ahead overseas as far as for the Dallas Mavericks? When do they go ahead and, and head on over and play the Minnesota oh, Timberwolves overseas? They left today. They yeah. left today? So, yeah. Well, there yeah, media, you go. Media was Friday. Okay. Friday. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, definitely looking forward to seeing what's happening this exhibition season and the season ahead for the Mavs and for the Lakers. Again, if you have any comments for us, Lakers Fast Break, wherever you get your podcasts and on social media as well. So for We Talk Mavs, Joe Sorrell and Magic Man, Sean Rice, Relling King, we're awesome. Please give them all the love and support you can. And also as well, give us whatever you can as well. Love, support, thanks, likes, shares, subscribes, whatever you can do to help support both the We Talk Mavs and us right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. <laughs>